Welcome to episode 73 of Era by Betrayal Talk. We're here joined today by Scott Traer. He's an assistant race director here at Era Vipa, and he's leading the charge on the Desert Runner Trail Series for this upcoming season. We're sitting down with him today. We're going to get all into the Solomon Athlete Sponsorship for 2023 that is going to be available to the winners of the McDowell Mountain Frenzy 50-mile race coming up December 3rd. I think I have that date correct. That's correct. Uh, so we are going to get into that here a little bit later into the show, but we're going to start off. We're going to talk about a few a few things happening in the running space. I know that you just came back from the Moab 240. You were crewing and pacing. Do you want to just start out with telling us a little bit about that experience? Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. I went out there to crew and pace for Kelly Vinson. Uh, she was very excited to go at this 200 mile distance. She came to Cocodona, had a rough go of it. Uh, and this summer it was just like, oh, well, it didn't go well at Cocodona, but I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to get this thing done. So yeah, we went out to Moab. She trained, uh, had a great strategy. Each day was like clockwork. Uh, you know, she had a rough day one, didn't want to get out there on day two. We, uh, we did a little crew magic and got her out there. And from day two on, there was no stopping her. Uh, super impressive, cool race. Uh, so proud of her. Nice. Yeah, that's such an adventure out there. It's a huge, just a single loop. And you go through a couple pretty big mountain ranges too. Yeah, yeah. I, I paced the, the high section, which was on day four, uh, up over 10,000 feet. The majority of that day was eight to 10,000 feet. Um, so yeah, when you're carrying, I don't know, like a 10 pound pack and you're on day four, uh, it's impressive. I, I don't know that that's a, that spaces for me. Um, you know, I'm seeing her come in two hours sleep for four days in a row. I'm waking her. She doesn't want to go out and, but you just got to, you just got to keep going. Um, so some of our strategy was like, you know, at night it was, you know, she'd come in and it was like, you know, get her situated with some food. And then it was like, how long do you want to sleep? Cause we need to make that decision right now because you know, when the athlete wakes up, they don't want to get up. It's going to take a while to get going again. It's going to take a while to get going. No one was going to want to wake up. So it's like, we need a firm answer. Then you're getting up. Um, so I'd wake her up, go grab her a couple cups of coffee from, from the aid station. She'd drink that, get ready. And then she was just out there. Um, Brianna Grigsby came in. She's on the Arrow Viper racing team. So a big shout out to her. Helped tremendously. And from uh, Kelly, was unpaced for the first half. And then Brianna and I swapped crewing and pacing duties and it was cool it was a cool race i mean you go through some of that awesome moab landscape with the big red walls uh hot you know 80 85 degrees and those like exposed sections and then after the halfway point you start circling back and getting through the LaSalle mountains and that's when you get up high uh and just like flagstaff you know the aspens are changing yellows lots of colors um and then you finish down Porcupine Rim, which all mountain bikers kind of know that is like a quintessential downhill route leading you down to the Colorado River. Um, so it's pretty cool that you get to go through those different landscapes on race day, low desert, crazy rock formations, up high country. And the weather swings, you know, up high, they can, they've seen snow. Um, and I know Callie was concerned with that. How cold is it going to get? Um, 
because in a, in a race that duration, you need to have clothes to keep you warm if you need to stop and sit or take a trail nap. Um, but yeah, just an incredible performance where every day was like clockwork. Um, so yeah, it was cool to be a part of. Nice, that's awesome. Um, super cool to hear. And I was gonna say something else, but I just forgot it. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. that was a great recap though. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great race. Uh, so yeah. How, uh, if you don't want me to ask Scott, how, how much sleep did you and Brianna get during this? I know we're <laughs> we're talking to Ben Light and Michael McKnight, and we're seeing their crew go through. Like, I mean, they're getting less sleep than the runners. So, how was that for you? Sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, kind of new. I'm going in on little sleep, so kind of put my own training on the back burner, just out there to support. So from Moab, it's about you know. So I use Moab as a home base where I had you know a camp spot where I could go to at any point. Um, but like the furthest aid stations were about 90 minutes. So you kind of just, you don't sleep much because you're just updating that tracker. Like, where is she? Where is she? I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. So it would be common where I might wake up at two, you know, maybe I'd get two or three hours sleep, drive out, meet at the crew point, hang out for the four hours while Kelly was sleeping. I'd be getting packs ready, bottles ready. I might get 10 or 15 minutes of sleep. And then it was time for her to wake up again. <laughs> so yeah, sleep was uh, sleep didn't happen too much for any of us. But again, I mean, so cool to be a part of. So thankful I could be a part of it. Um, so seeing that, like anytime I go to these events, it's so inspiring for my own training. For my so yeah, it it was awesome. The lack of sleep was was just a minor minor detail. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your own training. Um, you of course got a golden ticket earlier this year at Black Canyon, ran Western States. And now you're gearing up for Desert Solstice again. How's that going? And uh, do you have any goals you want to talk about? Oof. Yeah, training's gone. It's been a good year. Training is going superb at the moment. Uh, I thought coming into Desert Solstice last year, it was my year. And I learned a lot. Uh, even just talking with your brother, Nick, like just trying to be a student. Who is doing great at this sport? Bob Hearn, like trying to read what what are their strategies for this? How can I implement some of that strategy into how I like to race? With that said, this is the year. This is the year. Ooh. I mean, it's bold to say I'd be more interested in running 170 than 160. I am going to be going out a little aggressive, uh, probably at my range is 750 to 810 pace, which is going to be faster than American record pace. And I know that's to me, that's, it's not how I generally race. My coaching philosophy and racing philosophy would be, say if you're running 100 miles, right? You need to be able to close fast if you wanna have a great race, that's period. You need to be able to close fast, so you should take a conservative approach, right? If, you, if you've never been able to do this in a 100 miler, then you need to start slow and go as slow as you think you need to go so that you can close fast. Last year at Desert Solstice, I went out at about 8.30 pace and I didn't close as well as I should have. So for me to jump and try to run this faster, it's a very aggressive play. And I, I feel like I've weighed the pros and cons, what could happen, and I wanna go big. So we're going out hard. Yeah, what's the thought <laughs> process behind that? Are you trying to get out ahead of it? You've just seen maybe what other people have done like Sorokin or? Sure, no, it's, I think if everything, right, cause you need a lot of things to go well in 24 hours to be able to run well at the end. And it's 
pacing is only a small piece of this. So when we look at like aerobic threshold, right, the, the runners that are running very well, their aerobic threshold is much low. Maybe it's 620. That's where I predict mine at. But you have to consider muscle fatigue and muscle breakdown. So that's why running at a slower effort, which is going to allow for more fluids and fuel to get in, is going to be advantageous for that athlete. Because just like saying 100 miles, like the real time is made or lost at the end. So the strategy on this is why would I go out at 8 if I was unable to run fast going out at 8.30, where I, I was kind of clicking 8.30s for the first, I think, 16 hours, you know, 100 and something miles. Um, I didn't have a crew last year. I am bringing a crew this year, which I think is going to be helpful because I thought I got behind on calories. But the bottom line is I think if everything goes perfectly, which is a huge ask, that, yes, I do have the, the capability to run over 170 miles. And like I said, that is more appealing to me than trying to run 160. So the goal is to try to run, you know, 750 to 810 consistently for 24 consecutive hours. I, I'm not planning eight minutes and try to get out in front and then slow down. I hope to be able to hold that for all 24 hours. Nice. We'll be there to watch it as that unfolds uh, come yeah. December. We did have one question in oh, the yeah. chat on that. Um, from Chad from in Colorado, it's asking, "What are you changing to become your best self slash runner?" And I think that's probably a pretty good question, just because you ran the same event last year. Sure. Yeah. Whenever I go into an event happen at Western States, I have some things I'll tweak for next year. Same thing with Desert Solstice. For me, I've been at this will be my fourth consecutive Desert Solstice. Last year was my first time staying on the track for 24 hours, and that was the big learning piece. Right? There's a mental hurdle that needs to go over. I feel like the 24 hour racing is like the PhD of ultra running because there is no finite finish line. It, you can't just run faster and get to the finish. It plays a lot with your head. The biggest change I think that's going to help me is actually having a crew. I generally don't use crew. Um, and as little as it sounds, there's times when I'm out there and I don't want to bother like aid station people, which is crazy to say, like obviously they're there to, to help you. Um, and I felt like I got a little underfueled um, during Desert Solstice last year. So having that crew, crew, I've worked on some solid foods, which generally I don't eat in 100-mile racing. So working on those two pieces, I think, are going to be incredibly helpful. Um, I'm also hoping to bring out not just crew, but local Arizona fans, like people that are close to me, because that helps me racing tremendously. And on a race like this, where you get to see people the whole time, I can draw energy from those people. So if you want to be part of the Run Faster cheering crew, I would love to have you at Desert Solstice. Hit me up. 100%. <laughs> we would love to have people come out. I think that's a great point, though. I think you're going to get probably see so many benefits from having a crew at that event. I mean, just seeing the way Nick utilizes a crew in the oh, past, yeah. too. I mean, he's never stopping or breaking stride, even to get anything he needs. So... I'm sure you spent at least a little bit of time digging through a, a bag at one point, which you can hopefully eliminate this time. Yeah, I am so excited for this race. Uh, yeah, it's it's the Super Bowl of track running, period. And I'm just blessed to be showing up for my fourth year in a row. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about maybe a couple other big things. There's like so much happening in the sport right now, and we, we have such a diverse sport. It's really interesting. We not only have like these exciting things to look ahead for you and the Moab 240, but there's the Backyard Ultra World Championship happening right now. And 
from talking to Bryce and Scott, you guys may not know all about that. So maybe I figure we can spend a few minutes on that. Uh, I know there's probably some fans of the backyard style that are watching this. I'm a fan of it. I had, I was lucky enough. Ooh, what was it? Two or three, maybe three years ago, two years ago to, uh, go to Laz's backyard and I was filming for Solomon was on site. I got to do, I think I put in 85 to 90 miles <laughs> just filming and having fun. Cause I don't just want to uh, sit yeah, at yeah. camp. I was like out there, I was cutting across the course to catch different angles. Um, you know, and those folks are doing, you know, 200, 250, 300 miles now it's, it's crazy. Oh. So yeah, this, the way this has evolved is crazy. Let me give you some stats real quick. So, Every other year they host now the world team championships. And so that's the one, I think that's the one that I went to. It was like, we, each country has 15 athletes. They qualify by running backyard ultras in their own country. <laughs> so they take their best team of 15, they host a local event and they had 37 countries participating. Wow. Most fielded 15 athletes, some may not have fielded all sure. there were 544 athletes around the world participating in this thing it started around 83 hours ago and we have four runners left out of the 544 your country you can only keep competing if you have at least two athletes in the game still if one misses that 4.11 or 167 mile loop or they quit and you're down to one that's it they can't keep going even if they want to and so the U.S. Uh, Harvey Lewis and his last name is Chad. It's Chad something. Sorry, I I can't see it all right here, but um, he did 76 yards and Harvey Lewis did 75 yards. The world record holder, uh, his last name is Gertz. He's from Belgium. He did 90. Uh, I think it was earlier this year. I think. Uh, and currently they are at 82 yards, it looks like. So they have, Japan is still in and Belgium is still in and they each have two athletes. Good Lord. So collectively, <laughs> this group has run 15,892 yards, which is 66,217 miles in the past 82 hours. Yeah, when I think of 90 hours, that's almost four days. I think 96 would be four days. Yeah. And I'm thinking like just just being awake, right? Like that's the challenge. Just being awake for four days has got to be soul crushing, right? <laughs> I mean, most of these laps are taking between 45 and 60 minutes to complete. Yeah. And as time goes on, you're slowing down. So the ability to sleep becomes almost non-existent. I mean, you're never getting more than 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> yeah. I've, for, I'm an athlete that has never done that. I've never taken a 10 minute nap and had to keep going. So I don't even know how, how they do it. I'm just going to say that. I, yeah. I don't think I'm lasting more than first time I go to, I'm going to bed and that's it. I'm done. I'm, <laughs> that's, I'm over for, for the backyard competition. So I will shout out, they've been live streaming this for the whole time. Check out Conversations by the Woodpile. It's Laz's new YouTube channel, which oh. is pretty funny. Um, I will say, Laz, you have the YouTube kids turned on. I don't know why, but it comes up. You can't actually comment because it says this feature is disabled for YouTube for kids. So uh, maybe it's kid-friendly content. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably better that way. 
Wow. So that's been fun to watch. And who knows, like at any moment, someone could drop out. We would have a country team winning, but I think they can, the final two from that country can keep going as long as they want. But the it, country, your country, you can't keep going. Sure. That's so cool. It's cool that it's, a, it's honestly, it's a team event, right? It's cool that one, it's an actual country of team, uh, one team per country, but then those final two, right? I mean, it's essentially a team. It's you're a team really, sport. You're working together. You've got to work together. Yeah. Your whole country in reality is working together. So you're never wishing ill will on your own sure. countrymen. You want them to keep going because then you can keep going. Yeah, that's so cool because we, we, we don't see that, right, in our sport. Obviously, we're yeah. all very supportive of other athletes, but it's generally either I'm going to win the race or you're going to win the race. And yeah. But now it's like we both need to essentially win the race, you know? Exactly. And, and so what will happen next year is all of the winners of all of these countries will get invited to come to Tennessee next year. Oh, wow. So in addition to a large field from the U.S., that's going to be extremely international. So you'll have the best backyard runners in the whole world all coming to Laz's own backyard here in Tennessee, and they'll compete <laughs> for the one single world champion. So that's the one that Harvey Lewis won this last year Got and it. did 84, 85 yards. So it has wow. really become its own sport, like even separate from, yeah. I mean, they have their own units. They don't compete in miles. Yards, they yeah. compete in yards. And you know the benchmark that everyone is reaching towards is 100 yards. So you know we all love that 100 number in, in ultra yeah. running, but imagine multiply that by four and some change. It's yeah. crazy. It is. It's so yeah, 82 yards. I mean, 82 times 4.1667. They are at 341 miles right now. Wow. So that is incredible. Uh, that's one activity happening. And then the other one that we wanted to, I guess, make a quick mention of is the Arizona Trail Showdown. Mm. If you, I mean, if you're watching this YouTube channel live stream, you probably are seeing our morning check ins, but. We've been doing a quick check-in with Ben, Mike, and their crews. And um, you can tell that, you know, what we're in day four and it's catching up to them both in oh, different yeah. ways. So Ben has hardly slept. Mike is having some extreme shin pain. And I mean, the FKT game is a real thing. It's, it's tough and it's brutal and it's gonna be fun to watch. And how did this come about? What, if you probably went over it on the AZT show, sure. but was this the two athletes came and asked, or was this something you presented? How did this whole showdown come to life? This was Ben Light's idea, I believe, and he convinced Mike to, nice. to come on board, but they've kind of been scheming about this. They, they've done some other things together. They're really good friends, and I know Ben is super supportive of Mike and has crewed him quite a bit. And I don't know, they just had this idea, like we wanna race each other on a long trail effort and we want to flip a coin to see who goes which direction. So, you know, kind of a, a silly com, uh, concept maybe, but um, initially Ben asked us to just host the coin toss. Sure. And then, I don't know, it just kind of evolved from there. We wanted to, I wanted to just kind of keep the story going. Yeah. Love the Arizona Trail. Bryce and I have both done it. And so we figured, you know, we want to continue to highlight the efforts on the Arizona Trail and uh, what these guys are doing. We just think it's cool kind of goes along the lines of seeing what people are capable of. I mean, we see it right now with these longer 200 mile races, people are really getting into that. The whole long trail FKT scene, mm -hmm. this backyard scene. So it's it's kind of all converging, so. 
And have they got to the point where they've crossed each other on the trail yet? Not yet. So they're around 200 miles in right now, each of them. And so, I mean, somewhere around 400. We're thinking yeah. it'll be somewhere near Sunflower Mount Ward area is about the 400 mile wow. mark. Um, the Southern Arizona section is definitely tougher initially. So Ben is starting to fall back in mileage oh. just because it's kind of so flat in Northern Arizona. It's up on the Colorado Plateau. The but then Camino you have the Grand Plateau. Canyon. That's a tough it's section. It's one day. Yeah. Um, sure. Down south, you've got the Sky Islands. They're just yeah. kind of one after the other. And the terrain is just way more rocky. Got it. So you got, you know, the the stretch from Flagstaff to the edge of the Mogollon Rim is relatively smooth sailing, I would say, even across Babbitt Ranch from Grand Canyon to Flagstaff. So. And most FKTs, they go north, right? So typically northbound in the spring and then Got southbound it. in the fall Got it. is kind of what people tend to do there especially if you're taking a month or two months that snow is going to be much more a factor in uh sure northern northern arizona so i think what else you got uh, i just think on that as, as far as pertaining to the coin flip goes ben chose to go northbound which i think nobody was expecting he oh. had some good reasoning for it so south part of the trail is a lot more up and down as you go over those skylines so you want to get the the more the elevation out of the way early sure. also brings up the question of is he going to run into a similar problem running into snow up past north of flagstaff so it's interesting it's fun to watch it play out they're both they both have like their different struggles but it's such a long fkt like there's time to recoup oh yeah it's cool i i mean i applaud that like just the effort is cool, but coming up with the concept is cool. I, if, you know, this sport, trail running, ultra running, I mean, we're seeing a lot of cool stuff going on, and I think the sky's the limit. And so big shout-out to those guys for coming up with this concept, going with it, and, yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. What else do we have to talk about in this segment, Bryce? Um, I think there's maybe something – oh, are we jumping into Frenzy? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I was just a, trying to see if I missed anything. Oh, on the Arizona Trail Showdown? Or just anything else, like, before we get into the to the Dirt Series and stuff. I don't know. I'm yeah. very excited about the Dirt Series. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's on my mind right now, specifically the McDowell Mountain Frenzy. I know Pass Mountain's the first one in the series. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I'm getting very excited. We were, it. Yeah, it was funny. We were just having a little little marketing meeting, and we got on a little tangent with the Dirt Series, and, and Bryce is super passionate. Uh, maybe you could intro us into the Dirt Series, like what's coming up. Um, and you participated last year and you're coming back this year. Absolutely. So yeah, give us a little, give the viewers a little intro. Like what is the desert runner trail series? What does it uh, mean to you? So dirt series, yep. Stands for desert runner trail. Um, Phoenix, we are lucky enough to have, I mean, quite a few Maricopa County regional parks within a 30 minute drive of Phoenix. So, um, starting off at usury mountain is past mountain trail runs, uh, anywhere from 5k up to 50 mile, uh, a few of the desert runner trail events do have a 50 mile option and one has a hundred mile if you wanted to jump in for mm -hmm. that but yeah kicking off november 12th yep. with pass mountain um i'm signed up for the 50k with a couple fast buddies from phoenix so it should be competitive which which i'm very excited for and then coming up after that's mcdowell mountain frenzy which is kind of it's one of the bigger ones i'd say it might be the biggest yeah. as far as like attendance in the series mm -hmm. and uh i know there's something you're cooking up special for it scott and i'm excited to hear about that and, and then the last one in the fall dirt series you want to talk about that too thriller 
Cave Creek Thriller. Thriller, yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah, so Cave Creek Thriller, point to point, it starts at Lake yep. Pleasant. Um, very similar start to Crown King Scramble, which is another one of my favorite races. But it's uh, it takes the Maricopa County or the Maricopa Trail mm-hmm. uh, from Lake Pleasant to Cave Creek Regional Park. Uh, Maricopa County or the Maricopa Loop Trail, for anybody who doesn't know, is it's only a few years old. Um, and I know. I think Josh Locke, who's a local runner who's ran Cocodona uh, pretty fast, is actually going for an FKT on it. Is a rumor on the streets cool. here? Oh, he's going back because he has the. Yep. He has it, but he's going to go and try and lower it. That's the rumor. Ooh. Cool. Love it. That's what I hear. But, uh, but yeah, Cave Creek Thriller is the first one. That one's in uh, December. And yeah, looking forward to that one too. Those are the three fall ones before we yep. go into spring. Awesome. That's a great overview. So mm. yeah, maybe let's just jump into it now. So you spearheaded this concept. Uh, specifically for McDowell Mountain Frenzy, maybe walk us through the idea of offering, or maybe just tell us what is at stake. How'd you come up with this? Mm. Is this the future of sponsorships, (laughs) Scott? Yeah. Yeah, so the bigger backstory, right, was me coming to work here with Air Viper, just leading the way with these cool races, with media. It was a great opportunity that I was looking forward to, to maybe do some things in this space that I'd like to see. And one of those things is this race, McDowell Mountain Frenzy. Uh, Like Bryce said, it generally gets about 700 participants across 5K up to 50 miles. Um, And there is no clear path for an athlete to get sponsored right now. There's nothing. Sure, if you're an outstanding athlete and you win Western States, you're probably going to get a sponsor. But there's a lot of elite athletes out there, and there is no clear path. Some athletes don't know. Do I need to contact the companies? Do they contact me? How does this work exactly? How many Instagram followers do I have? So it's, uh, it's not a clear landscape. So this, this idea of you get to come, just like, say, in Olympic trials, right? In the Olympic trials, if you're top three, you go to the Olympics. It doesn't matter about anything else. It doesn't matter what happened early in the year, what races you've won in the past. So, so I like that concept of show up, have a day, and this could be your day. You could get that sponsorship. So to me, that, that's really important to have in our space for athletes trying to become professional trail runners. If you've been in this space for a decade or two, we've seen this space change tremendously from backyard or small local events to now there's lots of money in this space. And I think we've seen that exponential growth the last 10 years, literally. So brands are doing pretty well in this space. They're making some money. And I feel like I'm coming at this from the athlete side. I want more opportunities for the athletes. Um, there's athletes putting 20, 30 hours a week of training. So this is a cool spot where you get to come And I've been trying to encourage athletes, like if you've had a great training cycle, you're one breakthrough performance away, come take a shot. Come, this could be your day. And what to me is exciting about this, it isn't all the stuff you get from Solomon and six Air Viper race credits. That's already, I don't know, four or $5,000 worth of gear. The bigger sell to me is you're not getting in the door, you're going into the kitchen of one of the biggest, best trail running brands with Solomon. And what you do with that that year, it's up to you, right? This could be, you're going to get counsel from some great athletes on the team. I expect the winner of this event to have 
an incredible 2023 and to be the next athlete we're watching on on a national level that is incredible i think that is that vision is so cool to have like a level playing field for anyone to show up like you said it doesn't matter if you have an instagram account or you know the right person to talk to exactly and and the right in it's like you work hard you show up you compete you get a sponsorship it is it's so cool and about the race right so it's perfect for this it's 40 degrees at the start usually gets about to about 60 so that's ideal running weather it's a little over 4,000 feet of climbing with at mile 31 a big brutal climb up thompson peak sometimes up over 20 percent um and then you come back down and then you got a roller coaster of desert to finish so you don't need to be adapted to high altitude you don't need to be this awesome technical mountain runner you just need to be a good runner. You need to be a good runner and you got to come out here ready to go and have a great day. Like you just need to believe in yourself. I need to have this one great day. And it could literally be a career changing moment in your in your running life. That's amazing. Yeah, it it's a great point. I mean, there is so many leveling factors here. I mean, it is with the exception of Thompson Peak in the middle, a, a pretty runnable course, like oh, extremely yeah. runnable course, but there still is that punchy climb. So <laughs> it it does level it out. You can't just be, you know, an elite marathoner and just blitz it. It's like you, you know, you're gonna have 40% grades there in the middle up and down that thing. Yeah. Bryce, you just did it. Well, did you? Right? Yeah, so I did it for the first time a couple of days ago. Oh. It's steeper than I thought. To give anybody watching uh, a visual for it, I think it's about to come up oh, on yeah, the screen behind them there. Get some great visuals. But towards the top, I mean, it is just so steep. I don't understand how it's even a road, like how a car could get up that. Like, I agree. I've gone up it once. It was a couple of weeks before Western States, and I was like, eh, I don't feel like driving to order. Let me go hit this. And everyone's like, ah, oh, it's paved, but it's wicked steep. And I'm like, eh, it can't be too steep if it's paved. I have no idea what they were thinking building this thing. That's why the half of it's, you know, not in any shape anymore. Going up is okay. And I am, I consider a great downhill runner, but it's so steep and it's got concrete. I couldn't run down it. And I consider myself a great downhill runner. So it's, it's pretty gnarly. I, I thought the exact same thing as you, Scott. I, I ran up it, felt, I mean, decent. My, my cast felt like they were about to pop out of my legs. But then on the way down, it's just so hard to move fast. You can't. It's incredible. Like, I thought I was going to bomb down at thinking, like, I run down downhills all the time. Literally couldn't. I had to switch back on the pave section. Just, <laughs> it, it was nuts. It's like you have to go down like you're on skis. Like, you have to shift. And yeah. then, like, your feet have to go to it's each side. It's a slalom on the way down. Yes. For sure. So, yes. it'll be pretty cool because that's at mile 31. So, and we're expecting, you know, there's a lot of great athletes coming. So that's going to be the point at mile 31. You get to see where am I at in this thing? How far am I up? How far am because I back? Because of the out and back. Yep. You hit the aid station and then it's, it's, it's got some rollers to finish with the last 19, but it's very runnable. So that'll be, if you're excelling the mountains, that could be a spot. Hey, I need to be, I need to be up when I get down here. Cause I know I have so-and-so chasing and they're a better flat runner. If you're a better flat runner, you may be thinking like, all right, I got to take it easy on this climb, easy on this descent, and I can reel them in after. It's going to be cool. I'm, it's going to be a great race to watch. And when I think of like, you can go to Western States, you can go to UTMB, and you're going to see the big stars in the sport, right? And you can see that, and that's cool. But this is like, it's kind of like the everyday star is coming out, right? This is the person that's in like your local running club that's won some local events and like, hey, this guy could be, this girl could be pretty good. Those are the people that were coming. We're trying to get those people from New England, from the Southeast, from the middle of the country, from the Northwest. We're trying to get all those local stout athletes. 
and have our own little showdown and, and get that athlete on the national stage with one of the best brands, you know, in the sport. Yeah, and having it not at altitude, I think, is a huge factor. So many of the top races, you have to race at altitude. Yep. And this is, this is, I think, a perfect opportunity. Level the playing field out a little bit. I mean, you are going to be around 4,000 feet at the high point of Scottsdale, but that is the high point. Yeah. And the rest of it is, is pretty mellow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for this, and I know athletes have, have to choose. Am I going to come down for this? And I hope they do, and I hope this really – becomes an annual event that those athletes that we're talking about decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to take my whole fall season and train for this event because that's how important it is for me to, to try to get my foot into this door of professional trail running. It is so competitive. I can't stress that enough. This sport has taken off. You need to, to be sponsored. You need to be pretty good now. And this is the spot for you to come show that and yeah, like I said, I think this athlete is going to be the next breakout star we see in 2023. Nice. I absolutely love that. And to boot, I mean, one of the best times of the year to be visiting the Phoenix area, the Scottsdale area, running in the desert. It's it's just a beautiful, fun course, too. Almost a single loop. There is that little tack on at the end, yep. uh, about seven miles. But, but yeah, and then come on out. Even if you don't want to run the 50 mile, it's not your thing. Like this event is so cool. Like I said, about 700 participants. And then we also have a night event, which starts later in the day, about 6, 7 PM. So you have the option of like, Hey, do I want to run 5k, 10 mile or 5k, 10k? You have so many options. You can come out here, support it. If you've never been to an Arrow Viper event, I think you're in for literally a world-class event with how we set up these events. It's not just because this is in Javelina or Black Canyon. We put in the same effort to give those runners this incredible experience. And when I moved out here and seeing that at all the Dirt Series races, this like exceptional service, the athletes always come first. The aid stations are on point. It's so good. There's beer gardens at the end. This has like that like international setup for every single event, even local events. So come on out, race any distance you want, race the night event and cheer on these athletes that are taking a crack. Well, at yeah, the come out and watch the winners. I mean, it's going to be early afternoon that these guys are these guys and gals are coming in. So it's going to be, you know, it'd be awesome to have a huge crowd it like, would as be. they're coming in. Um, yeah, that's a great point. And this, so for those of you that have come to Havilene 100, maybe you come out every year, but you haven't tried another one of our races. I think putting a Desert Runner Trail Series event on your calendar is is something that's great. Because, yeah, we often don't treat them like maybe with our media as premier as the other races, but you're absolutely right. They are just as premier of an experience. And this is in the same park as the Havilene 100. Mm -hmm. And those mountains you see in the distance, those are the mountains that you're climbing. That's where Thompson Peak is. Absolutely. Yeah. Having this event will be will be great. And yeah, getting people out, like I said, I've reached out to, to my, my network of people saying, you got to come out and run one of these Dirt Series events. They're so cool because part of it is it's you get all so many local runners. So it's almost like this blend, this merger of like, we get national runners coming down to just smoke some fast courses because they want to train for something and, they, and they'll come down from everywhere. And then we have this great local community that is 
always at the events. So it's this cool little mix where, yeah, you might see some of the superstars of the sport because they want to come out for a race. And then you get to also meet the local athletes that are, you know, at our group trail runs. So it's a cool mix. It's a great place. And yeah, this, I'm so stoked to be directing the Dirt Series and I can't wait to meet everyone out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is our 13th year of the Dirt Series, uh, which is crazy. McDowell Mountain Frenzy was the first Era Vipa race created from scratch, which is a pretty cool, like, history thing. And, um, you know, we've always set out to improve and evolve these races. So, you know, when McDowell Mountain Frenzy was born, we only had up to a 25K, and it was just looping around a little competitive. And over time, almost every single race now has an, a super premier experience. Like, the fact that the 50 mile is almost a single loop and the other ones are point to points, there's, it's really, I mean, I hate to just keep self-promoting it, but it is, that good. it is really something great to look at. And, you know, you're not coming and just running like a little local loopy thing. Like every single one of these long ultras is a premier experience. And it is, uh, you know, there's some of my favorite events, like the elephant mountain 50 is probably my, one of my favorite 50 milers that I've ever done. So. Bryce, you got any additional questions for Scott in pertaining to this or anything from the chat? Bryce is hopping in that 50K, and what he doesn't know, some of those Solomon athletes have reached out to me. They'll be joining the 50K. We have some golden ticket athletes coming for the 50K. At Frenzy? I, at Frenzy. So I would like to get, you know, maybe you're a professional athlete. Full disclosure, I am trying to hold that 50-miler for those athletes that do not have a sneaker sponsorship because I want – I want those athletes to have that opportunity. That's the fine print. That is the fine print. But if you are a professional runner, come run the 50K. It's going to be competitive. And then you get to welcome this new athlete to the professional scene. I think it's going to be pretty cool just to watch all the events go down. Absolutely. The more, the better in that. I remember last year going into it. And it I mean, past Mountain Scott, I mean, it's a pretty sizable event. I mean, you go into McDowell Mountain Frenzy, and it's a little bit of a different level. And you just, I mean, you're at the starting line. You look around. And you see, you, I mean, even in like a non-year where we're not doing the sponsorship previously, like there's, there's some speedy people out there, and it Absolutely. makes me excited. Yeah, it's going to be cool. We're six weeks away, seven weeks. Get your last block in, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's not too late. Not too late. Still plenty of space to yep. register. Come take a chance. I can't say it enough. You have to put yourself in a position to be successful in signing up for this race. If you think you got it, this is the spot. So we do have a couple more in the chat, uh, mostly asking you about uh, training, diet, nutrition, and fueling during races. But we might be able to circle back to that, or do you want to cover that now? I think that sounds fine. I think we covered almost everything with this one. So Cool. Um, do you want to talk about any of the, do you have any notable entrance yet? Or, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it is a different category. Like you're not going to see the big names that you see everywhere, which I think is, that's kind of the point. That is the point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rich Lockwood's coming in after winning, crushing run rabbit run. He won the race, $15,000, uh, won the race by over an hour. Aaron Glick was in that field. Mark Hammond was in that field. I mean, Rich is an amazing runner. He went and won our Tushes event. He's running UTMB in Mexico in November. We have Georgia Porter, who is just tearing up the trail running scene. She's got an Olympic marathons qualifier on the road. We have John Giblin, who just got second at Leadville. I mean, the field, it's, the field is growing. Um, 
And it's great. I think athletes are starting to get that itch. They're excited to uh, come take a chance. Yeah, it looks like you've got Justin Lang in the field here. He's, Matt Ellis, yep. He's got second at a lot of Texas races, so I think he's going to be a great one making a splash here as well. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, Bryce, my on nutrition and stuff, my stuff is pretty dialed in. I mean, I am fortunate to have a little sponsorship with Scratch. I use that. Scratch is the literally the only thing I drink. I don't drink water. I think it helps me stay balanced with electrolytes. And then I generally just eat uh, a gel every 30 or 40 minutes. And I usually in a 100-mile racing, I don't eat any solid foods, sometimes payday or peanut M&Ms. But that gets me through 100 miles. I never have any issues with GI. There's oh. a solstice. It's a little longer. Um, I will use like a little sticky ball rice concoction I make. Um, but it's pretty simple. I don't like to have all these options and I think it can overwhelm athletes. You get in, your crew has 50 things for you. Just find, find two or three sweet things that work for you. Find two or three salty things that work for you. And if you've ever heard me talk, I think hydration is the most important piece in our sport. Cause if that goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Your fueling plan goes out the window. If you're fortunate enough to go get a sweat sodium test with precision, I always recommend that. If not, try to figure out sweat sodiums, try to figure out sweat rate, get that piece dialed in, and then find those few foods that work for you. Keep it simple and find, you know, what is the rate? I always talk about that. Is it 70 grams of carbohydrate per hour? Is it 80? Is it 90? Well, that's what you figure out in those last 10, 12 weeks of training or months of training. What is the ideal rate for me to be taking in fuel because if you fuel randomly, you're going to get random results. And that's across the board on anything in life, right? If you're just doing random stuff, you always get random results. So in those last 12 weeks going into a big event, track this stuff, write it down. When you finish a run, what did you eat? How did you feel? Was this proper? Next week, do it again, make a little tweaks. And that's how you get better at this sport. You don't get better by just going out. Hey, I'm going out for a run with my buddies. We'll see how it goes. Like you are intentionally trying to improve work on all those things. And I always say, follow the data. The data is going to show you whether that's data telling you how much calories you're putting in or how many ounces of liquid per hour, all of that data is going to point you in the right direction. Um, follow the data. <laughs> so the sweat sodium test, um, what is that going to tell you? Is it telling you how much sodium you need to replace every hour or like how much you lose? So yeah, so the sweat rate test, trying to figure out how much you lose, like how much sweat am I losing? In a lab versus a bathroom skill, as long as your bathroom skill is accurate, that is gonna be pretty accurate. So just, you go for an hour, you know, you get naked, get on the scale, don't drink or eat, go for an hour, easy run, come back, pat down, get on the scale. You have an amount of weight lost. That amount of weight is going to tell you how much am I sweating? How much, how much, what is the rate of sweat? The sweat sodium test is something that's gonna tell you how much sodium is per liter in my sweat? So when you're sweating, right, you're losing water and electrolytes, and sodium is the big one in our sport. So you could go for a lab test, and they can get that number within, you know, about 200 milligrams. And that, that range is huge because the it range— It varies per athlete. It varies per athlete. Most athletes are going to be 700 to 800 milligrams of sodium per liter. And this is why you'll see every major sports drink company putting about 300 to 400 milligrams of sodium per scoop of their drink because they're going to play to the human average but low sweat sodium sweaters are going to be down to 200 to 300 milligrams and heavy sodium sweaters 
could be up as high as 2000 milligrams. So it's a big range. So if you don't know, it's like, all right, let's play the average and see what happens on all these if runs. If you are average, you're good. If you're not, you could run into major issues. Major issues. Where like, if you're getting too much sodium, that could be negatively affecting you or if you're not getting enough. So it's probably more important than we think. It's not one size fits all. It's not. You gotta find out. You do. And you, there are, again, if you can't get to the lab, there are some ways, right? If you're trying to troubleshoot this, right? You're kind of playing, what's my sweat rate? You can figure this out on the bathroom scale. Then you're going out and say targeting the average. And are you having to stop and go to the bathroom frequently? That could be a sign that if you're drinking to your sweat rate and having to go to the bathroom frequently, you may need more sodium. Vice versa, if you're not going to the bathroom frequently, maybe you need less. So it is, it's a tricky landscape and there are some wearable companies trying to race to this space. They haven't quite figured it out yet. Um, but they're coming. Right on. I think we should jump into some quick takes. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's see what we got. So first one here. We got someone sponsor me is in the chat now. <laughs> I saw that. Come to Frenzy and win the race. <laughs> they said pick me earlier. Uh, so first up is CJ Albertson, world record at the 50K. Ooh, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I mean, average pace, 505. Incredible. It's just pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, and I loved two years ago, a lot of people found CJ's name as he took off like a hot potato at the Boston Marathon and led the race through 18. And... He had a great strategy. His strategy is, you know, he is he is comfortable on the trails. Boston starts with a lot of downhill. And he knew he didn't have the foot speed to keep up with some of the East Africans. And he said, well, I got to play to my strength. I'm going out hard on the downhill, and we'll see what happens. He had a great race. I forget what he ran there, 210, 212. Um, he's, got some, he's got some segments at South Mountain. Don't think I don't know that, CJ. Does he? Yes, he does. Uh, but this performance, incredible. He's playing on coming after the... 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile records. And uh, this is where our sport is. It's, a, it's insane to see how fast it's gotten. And it's not saying, CJ, it's not a, it's not a slam dunk. He's going to be able to transition to 50 or 100 miles. But when you see those athletes and they do have the crossover, they are. Granted, this is 50K. It's, it's not much different than a marathon. But if these athletes that have the engine, like CJ, if they can understand the strategy pieces, because it's much different from marathon or 50K running, if they can get that dialed in, I mean, we're going to see some times that in our sport in the next five years that are things that we think of as not possible right now. So cool. Yep. And I mean, to me, 505, like, it's crazy. That's like, I mean, that's a mile PR for me. So like, yeah. times that by 31. Yeah. And I've gone to ran the 50K national championship before, and I've seen some of the fastest people running 248, 250, I mean, 238. Holy smokes, you run 238 at the marathon. That's, uh, that's a pretty good marathon, <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, that's like 15 minutes under my marathon. Today, yeah, so. it's a little over six minute pace for the marathon. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Right. Kudos to CJ. Yep. Uh, so next up, not a world record, just kind of a quirky thing that happened in Brazil. So apparently I do have a video queued up here. So basically, uh, this is nighttime. They're all, this is like a cafe and you're gonna see some CrossFitters start to run through here. 
<laughs> and so what these folks that who are eating, they, they think it's a protest. And so they think they're in danger. And so they're all going to get up and they're going to clear out this restaurant and start running away from the CrossFitters who they think are angry <laughs> protesters. Oh. And it's they, just the crowd mentality. Oh, wow. Tipping tables and chairs over. And they're gone. And it's just... It's, and you can see more people just... The CrossFitters keep running through. <laughs> like they're, yes. just, they're like, why are you stopping in front of me? Yep. This guy's on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> There's another CrossFitter. Yeah, I don't know. Those CrossFitters can be a little intimidating. You know <laughs> what I mean? I uh -huh. see them doing lift, clean, snatch. Oh, I, it ain't something I'm doing. They're not the normal, like, like sick figures running through, you know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's part of it. Too many ads on some of these sites. <laughs> I miss my I miss my last one. Let me pull it up here. So this is actually an event that's going on. Uh, let's see. Oh, wrong one. Here I'm gonna pull up this next one if I can't find it. Here we go. It's a zombie run. <laughs> so this is like a. It's. I mean, it's a trail run if you're in the Midwest, I suppose. Uh, but. Basically, the goal is to do this trail run. Uh, I don't know what the distance is. 5K, I think I see. Is it 5K? Yeah, beginning at 6 p.m. And so you got zombies. 30. So zombies are volunteers that are hidden in, like, the brush, and they're going to come off, and you have, like, a flag football, like, flag on you, and you have to make it through this 5K course without getting your flag pulled, or else you're out. Cool. The city of Henderson is doing one of these this month. Are at they? Cornerstone Park. No kidding. Are you serious? Yeah, where you have to wear the flags, and if you don't get them pulled, you get a prize at the end. I yeah. love that. That seems like such a fun concept. That's, That's cool. Yeah. Who they sign up for the zombies? Maybe we got to get a, a few quick, a uh, few quick athletes. Give them a little shake. A you know what I mean? <laughs> You, typically, the zombies are moving pretty slow. Everything I Normal. see in the movies. I mean, it depends on which movie you're watching. You start watching Twenty Days Late, Twenty Eight Days Later. Those That's are some true. fast zombies. That's true. So, yeah, uh, definitely a cool event. Anything to get people out there running. You know, you can bring your kids at six thirty, get them to a five k, get them into the sport. Love it. Zombie run. Yep. Uh, this one's a little bit more serious. This is a just. I mean, I just keep seeing these weird animal attacks going on in like short races. Wow. So this is very recent. I want to say this is, yeah, from the 13th, so a few days back. And, yeah, I guess she was Ooh. running. She never saw the deer. It said she felt like she got tackled. She thought another runner hit her from behind. Oh, yeah. It's like crossing the path maybe and just yeah. clipped her. Yep. When there's, like, uh, stitches all the way up there, it looks it's, like it pulled oh. the flesh off. Right. Yeah, I had a, I had an Inca. I used to live right near Rocky Mountain National Park where there are tons of elk. And I was on one run early in the morning. I have a video of it. There must have been 150 elk in this meadow. Like, I'm on the trail. They're on the meadow, and they're all running. Like, we're running parallel. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. I got my video out. I'm like, this is cool. And then they make a left-hand turn and start running, so they were going to come perpendicular to my trail. I literally had to get behind the biggest tree I could and just, like, think skinny thoughts and let them all pass. And I was like, <laughs> you know, because I could have easily got trampled. And that's, oh, yeah. I mean, that's who knows how it happened, but, yeah, that <laughs> deer attack. You don't see that often. That's a dangerous <laughs> situation. That would have been interesting to have a GoPro on for that run, Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is the last one I got pulled up for today. But basically, uh, this is Cody Coe. He's, a, he's a, kind of like a popular YouTuber. He does like a lot of commentary on stuff. He's got a podcast. Funny guy. Big following. Uh, ran his first ultra marathon. We may have mentioned this before. 
Um, but this is pretty recent. It's got a, it's, he's actually got a secondary channel now, uh, Cody trains, I believe, where he's actually putting all of his ultra marathon training, uh, on that, on that channel on YouTube. And it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, this is, this is like a, a big, basically like a YouTube celebrity who's transitioning into the ultra world. Yeah, he's got almost 6 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. So he's got a huge following, probably a younger audience mostly, and he's like introduced them all to our sport, you know? Sure. This video is like one, almost 1. 1.4 million views. It's pretty cool to see, and he's talking about how, so his family, is his dad has like run quite a few ultras, so mm. it's kind of been in his family. I think his sister also ran, so there are like three of them. He lives up in Canada. I think Alberta is where the race was he did, so... And we'll just shout it out there. If anyone out there knows him and wants to invite him down to the McDowell Mountain Frenzy or any Arab race, we would love to have him. Absolutely. Feel free to reach out. It'd be super fun. Man, it's cool for those fans, right? You remember when you first got into ultra marathoning? You're like, what is this? What are they doing? How long are they out there? So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, kind of spreading the sport. And yeah, I mean, I remember my first time reading about it. I think it was like Dean. And I forget who it was. Maybe it was Ann Trace. And Dean had went out and ran like 240 miles. And like the next day, Ann went to go one-up him. And she went, went did, Reed. was it Pam? That's who it was. It was Pam. Yeah, I think they I were trying to see who could run nonstop without, like, without stopping or without sleeping. It was like nonstop. Like what's the definition of nonstop? And never really went anywhere beyond that feud. But yeah, because yeah. Yeah, that was my, I remember I was, I think I was living in Las Vegas. I opened up a Sports Illustrated and I, I read this blip and I was like, what is this? And like, that can't be right. And then it kind of, it's pretty cool. So exciting. Glad that he's uh, getting more audience into our sport. And it's pretty cool because when you first think of our sport, a lot of people, eh, they can't do that. Right? Run 100 miles, 200 miles. And then you become a believer and you get into it and it's the a, world changes. It's a process. And I mean, he jumped in. So I actually looked at his ultra sign up just because I was curious. Yeah. Uh, so he jumped in for a 60K. So he didn't even start off at the 50K. Sure. He, uh, I want to say, what is that, around 40 miles, the 60K? Yep. It's like 30, yeah, 37, yeah. something yep. like that. So, the Iron Legs Mountain Races is what he ran. Well, good job, Cody. Yep. Kudos. Pretty cool. And kudos. And we'll then, see what it, it'd be cool to see what he targets next. McDonald's like Frenzy. McDonald's well, yeah, exactly. Frenzy. So we're on. reach him. Cody, we're coming for you. <laughs> Somebody in the chat says they're going to send out a text, which would be. No way, really? That's what they send, said. Send Cody. All right, a text. all right. Send him our way. Yep. Um, and there's also, is, is from Sponsor Me. Uh, and they also asked a, <laughs> yeah, a pretty solid question Are you sure Scott isn't going to pull a fast one and line up for the 50 miler to get some sponsorship? Hashtag <laughs> Black Canyon Deja Vu. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'd race I'd, a different race, right? Well, I'm too old for a sponsorship. Scott's I mean, he's got, got Desert Solstice a few yep. days later, so I don't so I think say. that'll be happening. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a tight turnaround. That would be a tight turnaround. <laughs> cool. So that's all the hot takes I got. It's all the hot takes. Yep. All right. Quick takes. Quick takes. We are, uh, I think that's all we got this week. I think so. Is that right? Sweet. Yep. Well, we will um, we'll be keeping our eye on the Backyard Ultra the rest of today, see if they can't get over 90 yards and break the record. Um, other than that, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Uh, we will probably not have a trail talk next week as it is Haveline 100 week, but there's a lot of great things to look forward to. We have the Chasing Gold series hosted by Scott. It's going to be kicking off 
We are going to be posting the first one of those Sunday or Monday. Right around there. One yeah, of those Sunday two days. So we'll have several episodes talking with some of the top athletes chasing those golden tickets for Western States of next year. And we also will have a live in-studio Havilene 100 preview next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, hosted by Andy Jones-Wilkins and Sarah Ostazewski. They're going to be breaking down some of the favorites, cool. pontificating on the weather and all those sorts of things. So both of them have run Havilena, and it should be a fun time. Awesome. Awesome. It'll be a cool week. All right. We'll see you guys soon. See ya.